Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Tomahawk Show. This is a special emergency Tomahawk episode, which we seem to be doing a lot of recently, but this is very breaking news, probably, not probably, the biggest news that Tomahawk has ever had. Listen, we appreciate everybody listening in. Make sure you subscribe, rate us five stars using the hashtag Tomahawk, and hit us up on Twitter. I'm sure we'll have a ton of reaction to this episode. The Browns announced today that my co-host, name share here on the Tomahawk, Joe Thomas, is deciding to retire from the National Football League. Joe, tell us what you're thinking right now. We'll get right into talking about how this decision was made. Well, it's a bittersweet day for me. I've had 11 amazing seasons here in Cleveland, and to know when it's time to call it quits and to put a cherry on the career is always tough because as a competitor, you always think that you can still do it, but there's a point in your career, like you've mentioned on the show before, Uh that you get to that crossroads and you just say, I just can't do it anymore. I just don't have it in my body. My mind is good, but my body is not willing. And I think that's where I am. I've had a number of injuries throughout my career and obviously I've only had one that has kept me from missing time. Right. But those injuries that you have throughout your career, they add up. Like yes. I've had during my NFL career, two knee scopes. Um, I had an ACL surgery when I was in college. Um, I had a, another knee scope when I was in college. So I've had four knee surgeries in my career. Obviously the elbow surgery, uh, countless ligament tears, muscle tears, arthritis in just about every joint in my body and you just get to that point where you're you can't do it anymore I remember a time during the season last year where I was standing in front of the media at the podium this was before I got hurt Uh and I had uh Mobic in my body which is like a real powerful anti-inflammatory right I had Tylenol and Vicodin and I couldn't stand for more than a minute or two without excruciating bone pain in my knee and my back and it was almost at that point where I was saying to myself, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this season. Now, luckily, my elbow snapped before anything happened with the rest <laughs> of my body. But uh, you just you just start thinking in your head, like, I, I don't know how much longer I can do this just yeah. because the, the pain and the limitations that the pain and those, those arthritis injuries lead, it becomes so challenging. Like, as your body fills up with inflammation, as you know, yes. your muscles shut down. It's it's a protection mechanism that your body has, and specifically in my knee, which is really the the main reason why I feel like I I have I had to retire. Yeah, um, was my knee would swell up during the season, and my quad and the muscles around it that stabilize your knee would shut down, and they would stop functioning. And it was really hard to continue to try to keep that muscle working, so you could mm-hmm. protect your knee, but also play well at the position that you're asked to play and we'd get it drained they'd stick a needle in there and take the the swelling out every week but it would always come back because you have that underlying bone on bone uh, arthritis in that joint that there's really nothing they can do with it and unfortunately we aren't at a place right now in modern medicine yet that can fix and replace cartilage and meniscus damage that's already there. The only way they fix that is with a knee replacement. And so for me, looking down the barrel of a knee replacement, um, I think that definitely becomes a decision where you're like, hey, this football has been amazing. It's been more than I could ever have expected, but you have to take other things into consideration when you're deciding if you're going to be able to play football anymore. Right. I mean, I think, I mean, for people that are listening, 
And, you know, there have been, there've been speculation. People were saying he's playing or he's not playing. And they've been asking me, thinking because we share a name in a podcast that I had <laughs> insight to it. But to be honest, we're sitting here on this show recording. I found out today what your decision was because, to me, it could really go either way. And it's crazy you talk about, you know, the way your body feels because you have been a player who has been so durable. And not only durable, it's, it's one thing to always be available, which is incredibly important and incredibly hard in the game of football. But you've also played at a Hall of Fame, all pro, all pro, Pro Bowl level, year in and year out, game in and game out, and you play at such a high level that the fans who don't know that you're going through this pain or don't know what your body is dealing with or what it takes for you to make sure you're up to play on Sundays, they don't realize that the toll it's taking because all they see is the product, and the product of Joe Thomas has been A1 from day one. No doubt. They're not there during the week when they see – all the pain and suffering and the work you put in to get to Sunday. Yeah. And for the last really two to three years of my career, it's been almost impossible for me to practice because yeah. even a 30, 40 minute practice where I'd only take 10 or 15 plays, my knee would swell up so bad and my back would get so tight that I couldn't function for like two or three days. Like I had several times throughout my career where my back would lock up and then I wouldn't be able to tie my own shoe for a period of like three to four weeks. But I would get all the treatment that was possible. I would get the stem. I would get the acupuncture, the chiropractor work, the act activation, the uh -huh. laser treatment. And then I'd strap up a back brace and pump my body through full of medicine and I'd be able to roll out there and play yeah. decent on Sundays. But then the next Monday comes and you feel even worse. And so it, it becomes like a snowball that's rolling downhill as all these injuries, they add up yeah. and they lead to other problems that you have throughout your body during the season. It's like a chain reaction. Like, okay, my knee's really bad. So you favor your other hip. And then now because you're favoring your other hip, cause your knees so bad. Now your hips, out of joint right, and, and it's all screwed up and so you have this chain reaction that happens throughout your body and it just becomes almost impossible and like I mentioned I haven't really been able to practice much because of what it would do to my body and trying to be available on Sunday it just didn't lead me the opportunity to really do much during practice so I picked up swimming and I would be the first guy in the building the last guy to leave because it took me all day literally just to, to get, get my body somewhat ready to be able to play on Sundays right and that's only uh tenable for so long and that's like that's like a very I don't want to say rare instance but it is because basically how the life cycle of a player works works um and it's very rare that guys get to the point that you're at you know because typically I mean you hear about it, you want guys that are on the practice field giving their all getting better and better and developing and maturing and getting chemistry and all that is super important and early in your career you being available for practice is the best thing for the team on Sunday because it gets you ready to play in the game. And then as time goes on, as you get past the 30 mark or past the 28 mark and some of those situations like Joe Thomas, you actually do the team a disservice by trying to practice yeah. every day. And like you said, it was a situation where we didn't want, even as teammates, who guys who want to be out there grinding with their teammates every day because that's what it takes, we didn't want Joe Thomas out there because we understood Listen, Joe is a Ferrari that you drive on Sundays. We have to make sure that that Ferrari is clean yeah. and in the best condition possible for when Sunday comes because that gives us the best chance to win. And like I said, you're one of the rare guys in NFL history with the ability to do that. 
I got a question that I think every Browns fan has. Is there any talking you out of this, Joe? Yes. <laughs> That's a great question. I know Andrew's been trying to talk me out of it for the last couple of days. Yes. Um, but really, this is a decision that I've thought about for a long time. Um, last offseason, so going into 2017, I had a knee scope. I had uh, cartilage that had broken off in my knee during the season that had started to kind of get stuck together. It was almost like a bunch of pieces of sand that were starting to stick together, and it was mm-hmm. really irritating my, my knee joint. I mean, I could barely walk. I had bone pain just laying in bed at night, and that was very alarming, obviously. Um, but I was able to get that cleaned out before the 17th season, and usually a knee scope is like a week and you're back to normal. Mm-hmm. It took me like six months. I, I was all the way into mini camp, which was in June, after yeah. a scope in like January or February, and I still couldn't stand, and I could barely even – jog yeah and and i'm looking at myself in the mirror thinking dude there's no way i'll be able to play in a game in september much less any practices in august like i don't know if i'm going to be able to play in 2017 like i'm going to do everything i can from a rehab and a preparation standpoint to be able to try to get myself ready but i'm thinking where i'm sitting right now that i won't be able to play because i'm in that much pain and i if I can't practice and prepare and train, how am I going to play on Sundays? Like, right. there, there's a lot that goes on before Sunday shows up, getting your body ready. And I think people underestimate how much work it does take to get your body ready for a season. Uh, so I was really surprised and happy that I was able to even get seven games out of my yeah. body wow. in 2017. So um, after I had the elbow injury and I tried to give my knee several months to sort of calm down and hopefully it would turn the corner maybe before the 18th season, but it really hasn't turned the corner. And and that's the big reason that led me to this decision that I just, as much as I want to play and be part of this new regime in Cleveland and the exciting things that are happening uh, with the Browns, my body just has said no, and I just don't have it anymore. Joe, the all tight. You're one of the, the the forefathers of the Cleveland Brown football, and, and honestly, man, I think we and we talk about it. We honestly think the Browns are going to turn it around. Um, and it, like you said, it's bittersweet because even for a guy here, it was again besides the fact that we're friends, teammates. I'm just a huge fan of everything you represent. So it breaks my heart a little bit for you not to be a part of that turnaround directly. But on the other side of it, again, without the foundation, without you in this locker room, without some of the things that you've installed in this organization, I don't think the turnaround will be possible. Well, I appreciate you saying that, man. That means a lot from a guy that I have the utmost respect for from your journey to the NFL and through the NFL and how you've carried yourself and you've practiced and played on Sundays. Um, That means a lot to me. So I do appreciate that. Um, But it's fun. Like like you mentioned, I think – uh, for me, I'll always be a Browns fan. They'll always be my team. Mm-hmm. I've talked with uh, Jimmy Haslam and D Haslam, and they, they want me to stay involved in Cleveland with the Browns, and I'm excited about that. I yeah. think this thing is is going up fast from right. here. The moves that John Dorsey's made this offseason, we obviously believe in Hugh Jackson. I think uh, this team is going to be relevant a lot quicker than people realize. Yeah, tell, uh, tell me this. How, how important was it for Hugh to come here in your career, I know that's going to sound crazy yeah. to people listening, given the the, the record we've yeah. had over the last years. But you talked about like the ability to kind of sit out of practice because you know Hugh put a vet schedule in place. We didn't have very many vets, mm-hmm. but for guys who are dealing mm-hmm. with those kind of injuries or, or mm-hmm. body, a coach that understands that is rare. And I remember when he got here, we would have that conversation like, "Dude, this guy, this guy gets it." So even though you were continuing to play at a high level, a lot of that was put in place because 
a coach to understood, mm-hmm. hey, this guy is better if he only plays Sunday because we've seen mm-hmm. so many times where coaches come in, want to throw their weight around and say, no, everybody mm-hmm. practices the same way here, mm-hmm. and it's just not the right thing yeah. for everybody. So the first time that I started half to taking days off was when Coach Chudzinski was here. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That was maybe year seven. I had some – I had a, uh, I still have a uh, bulging disc in my back, but that would wow. act up, yeah. and my back would go out on me, and then I would be like out of commission. Like I said, can't tie your shoes for like four weeks. You know, you yeah. can't get out of bed like a normal human. You got to like roll over and do a push up. Um, and so when Chud was here, we modified my practice a little bit. I didn't do as much in the off season. I would get some days off during the season, which was important because, yeah. like you mentioned, uh, if I was with one of those coaches that would demand you practice every single day. I probably wouldn't have been able to play past seven years. But mm-hmm. I think the schedule that we've had for the last four years or so, basically not doing nothing in the spring, uh, one day a week during the season, I think that allowed me to stretch my career through 11 seasons. Whereas yeah. if, if I didn't have that flexibility from whoever in the organization, there's no chance I would have been able to play half as long as I have. Yeah. That's what amazing. is the next stop for Joe Thomas? That's a good question. Um, for me – this process has been challenging coming to that decision, but I feel comfortable with the decision that I made. Um, but I focused all of my energy into making the right decision here and just trying to make sure that the timing of it was in the best interest of the team. Um, I've been keeping the Browns abreast of all of my process of making this decision. Um, they've known about this for some time now I wanted to give them as much heads up as possible mm-hmm. um I I as a player I don't have any duty to tell the team I'm thinking about retiring right but I wanted to make sure that they knew about it so they could prepare for my uh replacement yeah um so that was why I had been kind of keeping them in the loop but the conversations with both of us we were like you know what, it's best not to make any announcements until sort of free agency has right. come and kind of gone a little bit um, because we don't want that to affect any of the market out there in free agency. Yeah. Um, so we were able to kind of keep it under wraps for a little while. So I guess with that all being said, um, I haven't put a lot of thought exactly into what my next stop is. because. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, aside of, from award-winning yes, podcast, yes, yes. I have a little bit of a code there. Yes, yes. So uh, the decision to retire was tough. Put all my energy there. Now I'm just trying to figure out what's next. I've got several options that are on the table. Um, I've auditioned for a few color jobs on TV. Going to audition for another one coming up. Um, I've had a number of broadcast people reach out to me to gauge my interest Mm -hmm. um like i mentioned the browns have talked to me about doing something with them obviously the tomahawk show has been enormously successful much more successful than i ever could have imagined i could definitely see us continuing this Mm -hmm. um even though i don't like hawk even though hawk is is not really my favorite uh, i think we could continue (laughs) regardless and we'll see i think my next uh decision will be just to try to figure out what I'm going to do, what's that next step. I, I can say for sure this next year I won't be taking a full-time coaching job and I won't be doing a full-time front office job. I want to at least take some time away from the grind of the day-to-day mm-hmm. and spend a little bit more time with my kids and my family and then just try to figure out what life is going to look like after football's over. Right. 
And I think that's important. If I can give you any advice there, I think you're doing it exactly right. Take your time away from the game. Take your time away from the day-to-day grind, the stresses of wins and losses on Sunday, and just you know enjoy being carefree. Now, I do a lot of traveling now because I'm, I kind of hit the ground running. You know, but from a, a mind's perspective, like I've never been, my mind has never been more clear because there is no, yeah. like I don't care what happens on Sunday. There is yeah. no day-to-day, you know, game time. How many passes did I drop? Did I get the right blocks? Or, you know, are we going to be able to win? Is this mm-hmm. is this going to affect my family? And ha- not having that has been incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, don't get too addicted to that because <laughs> <laughs> it'll be a new world for yeah. you. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, so Tomahawk, I think now we'll do five shows a week. Nah, I, think, I don't see why not. I, I think now that your time is open, you know, I think NFD is definitely – he doesn't have a face. I know he doesn't have <laughs> a filled-up schedule. Yeah, so. no doubt. Yeah, I, I think it'll be important to spend more time with the family. You know, they've been great. Obviously, during the season, you don't see them very much. Mm-hmm. You know, I would, right. I would get here about 7, and I would get home about 7, and just in time to tuck the kids in before they go to bed uh, during the season. So being home a little bit more will be great. I'm excited to be a fan. I mean, yeah. honestly, when you're a player – Especially as you become, I think, older in the league, you understand that you have to focus so much more on just your job. Right. And you can't get wrapped up in the emotion of every game, the emotion of every play that happens out there. And so you almost become a robot when you're on the field. It's like you go to the sideline, all you're thinking about is my job, my opponent, what's the next play, what's coming next. And you're not even emotionally invested in what's on the scoreboard because you can't be because that's draining and it's like this do your job mentality that helps you become a great player but it it removes some of the love of the game from the beginning because why does everyone love being a football player and a football fan it's the emotional highs and lows that come along with taking the lead and then losing the lead and scoring in two minutes and then losing the game or then coming from behind and winning. Like being emotionally attached is what's fun for a fan. And so I'm excited to sort of bring that back into my life. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, for those that have been living under a rock, Joe is the (laughs) NFL Ironman. He played every offensive snap from his rookie season in 2007 up until week seven in 2017 when his arm pretty much just fell off his body. (laughs) They tried to amputate it. hanging up here in the studio. But uh, I told him no. No. And that was 10,363 consecutive offensive plays, a streak that, I mean, probably never be reached again in the NFL. Yeah. And the Haslam's have come out and said they're going to enshrine the number 10,363 in the team's ring of honor at First Energy Stadium. What's your reaction to that, Joe? Wow. Really humbling. I mean, thinking about that number and what it has meant to me, especially as my career has uh, wore on, and hearing people come up to me and talk to me about what that means to them, it's really special because it's something that you never set out to do. It sort of just happened because of your core values, because of the things you believe in, and all of a sudden you wake up 11 years later and you're like, wow, I really – I was able to be out there on every play. And a lot of it's luck, but some of it I think is dedication to to my teammates, mm-hmm. to my organization, uh, to my coaches, because I wanted to be the guy that everybody could count on. I wanted to be the guy always that they could sit there in the staff meeting and say, we don't have to worry about the left tackle. He's got this. Right. He's going to be there, and he's going to do his job on this play. Let's worry about the other 10 guys. And uh, it's really special. That's something that I'd never even thought about, having 10,363 in the stadium. Um, but it's definitely something that I'm going to be extremely proud of. And hopefully someday when my kids are talking about me being a jerk and not knowing what the hell I'm talking about, I can take <laughs> them to Cleveland and say, hey, you see that number up there? That's that's my number. It may not be my number on my jersey, but 
I actually did something in my career. <laughs> I know you don't believe it, but I was something back someday. And then so, you can take him to Canton too at some yeah. point in time. Yeah, at some point five years later, then you can take him yeah. and show him your your face yeah. in a in a in a bust. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I think the ten thousand three hundred sixty three number is so special because, and I can't wait because I, I know you're going to write a book. That's going to be titled 10,363. <laughs> You're going to do a public speaking tour because really like what it means. I, I know it just seems like, oh, he just played a lot of football snaps. But when you think about everything that has, you know, circled the organization while you've been here, whether that's, you know, eight or nine offensive coordinators every single year. So you're learning a brand new offense, zero and 16 seasons, you know, hot shot seasons that went down the drain and just turmoil all around you. And there was always just one piece through all those snaps, through all those coaches, through all those years, through all the losses, through all the ups and downs, there was only one guy that you can always count on that was always going to be there, and that's special. And I think that it correlates to everyday life for people. Like, no matter what's going on around you, no matter what the situation is, no matter how long, like, you know, turmoil lasts, the ability to show up and continue to do your job and continue to stay in the fight is just so special. And, again, I think it's a story – and a lesson that you're going to be able to use to inspire people from now until the day you die. Because, again, I think it transcends football. Hey, man, I appreciate you saying that. That's, yeah, of course. It's, um, it's still hard to believe. I think it's still sort of a pinch-me moment thinking about the consecutive snaps and then also, yeah, my career's over. Like, it's done. Yeah. Like, this is it. Uh, and what's next? That's obviously a big question mark, and it's something that – uh, I'm proud of where I am. Right. I'm very comfortable, but there is that question mark because this is a new chapter in your life, and uh, you don't know where it's going to go from here. Yeah, Dan, we got to get my consecutive snaps. We got to figure out how to get your the, highest. The, the highest, highest was like highest. six. Probably. Yeah. Like you, you had a couple like first downs in a row. I would, I would imagine if I was a guest, my consecutive snaps would probably be about thirty-four. That high? I think my streak would be thirty-four. Really? Yeah. Really? Oh yeah. I'm surprised. That's I mean, a lot I, of routes. I was a starting X here for yeah, but usually if you got a go ball, they're going to take you out the next play. Uh, and I know you were a big go ball. Well, then I guess I'm the Iron Man of receivers. <laughs> you know. Now Joe's gotten so many awards and honors over the years. I mean, we got ten thousand three hundred sixty-three. He's one of five players in NFL history to be selected to the Pro Bowl each of his first ten seasons, joining the likes of like Barry Sanders, Lawrence Taylor, the best of the best. Mm-hmm. His ten Pro Bowls are the most in Browns history, more than Jim Brown, more than Lou Groza. He's eight-time All-Pro. He's also a three-time NFL Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee, which is a community service award, which I know is very important to you, Joe. And then you're also a two-time Brown Salute to Service Award recipient. I just want to ask you, what award has meant the most to you? Not including any of the awards. Tomahawk, Tomahawk. Awards, the Oscar that we got on Tomahawk. Yeah, you can't do Tomahawk Oscars or anything. I would say probably the Man of the Year. I think that's an award that's um, very special to me because I think it combines your impact on your community with – who you are as a person and as a player. Um, so being a finalist with Jason Witten and, and Larry Fitzgerald one year and then being the Browns nominee a couple other times. Speaking of Browns nominee, no other player in Browns history has been nominated more than once, and Joe has been at three times. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. You know, when, when I hear a lot of that stuff about my career, um, I have to pinch myself because it's like it's not real. I just – Wanted to show up every day and try to do my job and be a good teammate. And all of a sudden, 11 years later, I was able to, lucky enough, to rack up some impressive accolades that, like I said, hopefully someday when 
my kids think I'm a total jerk and telling me how much of a loser I am, I can say, well, I did win a Walter Payton Man of the Year a couple times, so maybe that means something to you. Go to bed. <laughs> well, tell me this. Okay, now that we – I, I want to get into quickly – okay, the, the let's say the Browns signed Drew Brees to a two-year deal, and then Nate Solder signed a five-year deal with the Browns, and then we drafted Saquon Barkley number one, and before Larry decided to come back and sign with the the Cardinals, he decided to come to the Browns, <laughs> and then we upped your contract <laughs> – by wow. $10 million, wow. <laughs> would there be a comeback yeah. scenario for Joe Thomas? <laughs> That's a great question. So I've always said the three factors that have always led into me making a decision were, do I still love the game? Can mm-hmm. I still perform at a high level? And am I still healthy? And so for me, really the last three years, I've kind of asked myself that question and went through that process of deciding if I wanted to go back. Now, this was the year that, it got the most attention because obviously coming off of my elbow injury and coming off of year 11 going into my 12th season, um, there was a lot more questions. It was probably a lot more likely I'd retire. But mm-hmm. I can affirmatively easily say that I love the game of football and my role on the team now more than I ever have. Yeah, uh, I felt like until I got hurt, I was still playing at a high level. Um, but this decision came down to nothing more than my health and – my inability to make it through another season. And that's the best way for me to put it is right. I just knowing my body, I just don't think I would have been able to make it through another season, no matter how much they were going to pay me, no matter how right. good the team looked. Um, it was not a matter of me being upset with the organization or sick of losing or my contract or anything like that. Um, I just don't think I can do it anymore. Right. You know, my body is just, my mind is willing, but my body is saying enough. Not able. Yeah. I mean, no. after all these years, I mean, you have so many great stories, and you shared a lot of those here on the Tomahawk Podcast. What stands out, though, as your favorite story or moment from your time with the Browns? Oh, my gosh. It's so funny because I've got so many great moments with so many awesome teammates yeah. that are so fun. And uh, a, a lot of them, unfortunately, are uh, sad stories, like when uh, – Johnny was named the starter, and he had, like, the worst week of practice in recorded history (laughs) with us. You know, those are things that that stick out in my mind. But I think uh, a memory, a positive memory that I'll I'll never forget was beating the Giants coming off of their Super Bowl on Mm -hmm. Monday Night Football in Cleveland Brown Stadium, 2008. It was the beginning of the season. We just came off of a 10-6 and season. The place was electric. We just crushed the Giants. It was such a fun atmosphere. It was so much fun being part of that team and that game. Um, That's one of those highlight moments that I'll never forget. And then another moment I'll never forget was the second game of my career, Cleveland versus Cincinnati. It's at home. We had just gotten our ass waxed by Uh the Steelers in week one. It was my first game against James Harrison, first career NFL game playing against James Harrison. Um, We had benched our starting quarterback at halftime and then traded him the next day, and we installed (laughs) Derek Anderson, this backup quarterback, as our starter, and we proceeded to go out there, and we put up 51, I think, on Cincinnati in week two, and we won like – 51 wow. to 48 or something incredible. I think to this day it was the highest total of 
offensive output of my entire career. Yeah. And it was such a fun game. I remember it was a hot game. Eric Steinbach was my left guard. But every time we went on the field, we scored a touchdown. It was amazing. <laughs> it was like being back in college and playing Temple or wow. one of these teams <laughs> right. in a non-conference schedule that you're going to just smoke their ass. Yeah, don't and you it dare. It was so much Toledo. fun. Yeah, it was like playing Toledo, those <laughs> MAC teams at the beginning of the season. Now, Joe, I've known you for a decade. And you've got a press conference coming up on Monday, and I know the answer to this question, but I just want to hear you say it. How emotional are you going to get at this press conference? Yeah, it's so funny that you say that because I'm actually a really emotional person, um, and a lot of times I'll use humor as a way to uh, disarm my own emotions a little bit when I get too sad or um, too emotional about something. I'll, I'll try to crack a joke to get my brain away from whatever I'm thinking about, um, and I've given a couple eulogies for my grandparents, and I always was well-prepared going in, and I had everything written out there, and I felt like I was going to be able to hold it together, and then inevitably, I would just turn into a ball of tears, and <laughs> I, I remember last week when I was sitting down with uh, Hugh Jackson and, and John Dorsey, and, and they had kind of known that I was going to retire. I'd, I'd, been, I'd told them, um, and then... I went into that, and that was sort of like, "Hey, it's final. Like, I'm, I'm definitely ready. I, I'm going to retire." And I, and I had no intention to cry. I didn't think I was going to cry. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to have a hard time with it. But as soon as the words started coming out of my mouth that oh, wow. I'm definitely ready and I'm going to retire, like I instantly choked up, and I, my eyes started welling, and I stopped being able to talk. Yeah. Which is funny because I usually like to talk, right. uh, but I was unable to say anything. And it was that moment where I was like, wow, this is final. You know, it's, yeah. it is almost like a death, like in your family when right. you go through a retirement because I've been playing football since I was 12 years old. It's been so much a part of my life. It's so much a part of who I am for the last 20 years that you really are saying goodbye to it. And yeah. it's gonna, it happens to everybody, but it is a tough thing. And especially uh, the love that I feel in Cleveland and the love that I feel for this organization and this city and these people that I've worked with. Um, to be able to stand up there and say goodbye and say that this is it is going to be tough. And I'm definitely going to practice my speech and try to prepare myself as well as I can so I can still talk and not just cry. Uh, but I definitely think it is going to be an emotional moment. And it should be. I mean, I, you know, it's tough. To, like you said, going football is a marriage that is guaranteed to end in divorce. And it's I say this yeah, all the time. But that's a perfect way to say it. It's the longest relationship you've had in your life. So you've you've had your yeah. you've had football with no you doubt. throughout this whole process for you know twenty plus years before your wife, before mm -hmm. you most of your good friends, so, before your so children, right. and it's always been a part of you, and it's always made the decisions you make as far as when you go on vacation, where you go on vacation, you know what you do, when you hang out, when you don't hang out, and so to lose that, you really do lose a part of you. Um, but the great thing about you is that you have so much going on. And if you decide to go into the media space, you're going to be a star, which is what has scared so many Browns fans and scared the front office and scared the coaches because they understood that, man, this guy is so talented, so smart, that it, it's just only the beginning of beginning process. It's funny you talked about having that conversation with you because I remember last year, before I left the Browns in 2016, I went and had the, the same conversation with Hugh and Sashi and told him, hey, man, I'm I'm going to retire. And much like you, like you, you, you go back and you sit around for a little bit, and I'm like, "Wait, do I want to retire?" Like, I, and it scared me, yeah. so then I called him back, like, "Hey, I think yeah. I'm going to continue to play, but I want to try to." Yeah. yeah. So you go to the Patriots, and then you know, yeah. eventually it was like, "No, I, I was yeah. right. I'm done. Yeah, you I'm just done. can't do it." I, I'll remember for the rest of my life walking down that hallway 
before I got to that meeting with with you and John yeah. and thinking to myself, can I really do this? Like, I still love this game. I still love everything about it. How can I retire? Like, yeah. I have to come back. But then your mind starts to remember back, like, what your body has gone through in the last right. couple of years and how you felt just getting your body ready. And you start thinking about all those things and you're like, there's just no way I, I can do this yeah. any longer. It's just impossible. I've run this as far as I possibly can. I was already at the end of my rope the last year and a half. And no matter how much my mind wants it, I just, the body doesn't have it. And that gave me peace and comfort just knowing that this is something that I've thought about for a long time and I've yeah. come to the right decision. Besides the fact that we weigh the same exact amount right now. <laughs> I wish, man. Yeah. You got the best six pack of any guy, <laughs> any guy I've ever seen that eats no vegetables and drinks nothing but Mountain Dew. I'm allergic to vegetables and Mountain Dew is my water. <laughs> well, well, look, Joe, again, big congrats from me from NFD. This is just the beginning. So, you know, we're excited about the future. You know, we're proud to have to have known you, played with you, be a part of this process, man. You're, you're an incredible player, incredible person. And the league is truly losing a special one. And I think I speak for all the fans just in saying thank you, Joe, for everything you've done for this organization, everything you've done for the city. It's just been amazing the entire time you've been here. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate that. I'm definitely going to be a Cleveland Brown for life. For life. Uh, lifelong fan. I'm excited to be involved with the, the organization in some capacity. Uh, I'm not sure what that's going to look like yet, but I'm not ready to say goodbye to football yet. Yeah. You know, I, even though, even though I can't play it anymore, I definitely want to still stay involved as long as I can and hopefully till the day I die. There you go. And um, so look, that, that, that wraps up for the show, but you know what, we're going to, we're, we're kicking around the idea of doing another kind of Joe career wrap up show. So anybody listening that's checking out this episode, Hit us up with questions that you would have for Joe about him, about his career. Then we're going to do another special Tomahawk episode specifically devoted to Joe and his time in the league. So make sure you hit us up on Twitter, hashtag Tomahawk with an H. Remember to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars anywhere that podcasts are available. Again, as always, we appreciate you listening in. I'm going to leave this one to Joe. This is his show. This is his moment. Joe, Joe, take it away. Take it away, brother. Boys, Joe Hawk yourself. <laughs>